Welcome to Share Ed Podcasts, brought to you in partnership with Robin Hood Multi-Academy Trust and Gateway Alliance. Hi, I'm Helen Martin, the CEO of Gateway Alliance. And I'm Steve Taylor, CEO of Robin Hood Multi-Academy Trust. Today we're talking to Joe Purnell, School Improvement Lead from Robin Hood Multi-Academy Trust, about making great teaching tangible. And in this episode, Joe talks with honesty and integrity about how this can be done in a systematic approach. We think you're gonna get loads from this episode. Hi Joe, and welcome to Podcast CPD. Hi Steve, hi Alan. So Joe, to start us off, can you just tell us a little bit about your leadership career journey to date um, at this point in time? Um, yeah, well, I started my profession at Robin Hood a long time ago, um, and at the time that was a, a really exciting place to to work. It was in the in the days of Beacon status, and you know it was, it was the time that Apple Macs were launched. So Robin Hood were doing some really exciting stuff with computing, which uh, is kind of where I cut my teeth and learned my craft in quite a high tech environment for school. Um, I sort of went into subject leadership. Um, led science across the school and a variety of other subjects and then became assistant head teacher um, and then moving towards deputy headship um, the school was doing a lot of outreach work with um, Birmingham supporting schools that were, were struggling so I ended up going out um, with, with the school improvement team for Birmingham supporting other schools and, and, and getting in other schools and unpicking problems there and providing solutions which, which I really loved to be honest um, so did a little bit of that, came back to Robin Hood, and then um, AET had approached Robin Hood about providing additional support for some of their schools. So ended up doing some work at Ford Dwellings, um, and that led to a secondment um, as a head down to Percy Shermer Academy down in um, down opposite the Central Mosque in the Central Birmingham. Um, so I spent two years there. That was bordering on special measures, so I was tasked to, to, to not let it drop into the measures. Um, so I had a good couple of years there. And then when that came to an end, um, I didn't move back to Robin Hood. At that point, um, Birmingham approached Robin Hood to see if they could support Cottersbrook Junior School at the time, um, which was in a bit of a state um, and didn't have a head. So I went in there um, and pretty much stayed in there on the journey and, and the, the governors liked what was going on in there and didn't want me to, to, to go um, anywhere else. So they went on the journey of joining Robin Hood Matt um, and sort of the rest is history, really. So from there, worked there for, for probably five years in the headship, getting it to good and then moved into the school improvement role across the mat as it as it got big enough to to support that role centrally. So that's kind of my journey over 25 years and over 25 years in the past few years what's what's been the um what's been the most um, rewarding part of that journey in your mind um I, I, you know i really love the, the journey of of lifting a school up and and taking it on that journey from where it's pretty much broken and spiraling in decline and actually putting all the pieces in place to turn that into you know, to giving kids the education that that the kids get across this country, across the country in excellent schools. So that's the exciting bit: getting a school that's 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 not working well to to working well and and, and performing well. Which making, yeah. making a difference, making a difference to kids' lives. 
Exactly. And that, and that segues, segues nicely on for us into how do you do that? Well, um, I've often heard you say the only way to, uh, to move the school forward is to teach your way out of trouble. Yeah. Which takes us on to the concept and the discussion today, which is all around pedagogy and how do you make teaching great. So tell us a little bit about some of your thoughts on how you make teaching great. Well, you're right. You can only teach your way out of it and you can only do that by putting the best teachers or developing teachers to be the best they can possibly be in, in front of the kids. So until recently that's been quite difficult um you know it's 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 about decoding the dna of what what great teaching is um you know decodifying that magic when you see someone that's amazing at teaching to teach it's as if they've got some sort of gift and some sort of magic that they're tapping into um and just to get the best out of the kids but when you when you sort of stop and ask them about it you know what they've done they find it really difficult to express what it is they just seem to intuitively just do things and, and use strategies that get the best out of children. So all that knowledge is sort of tacit, implicit knowledge. How you capture that and make it explicit to others is the real challenge. And that's until recently, I think, has been very difficult. You know, it's been around, you know, quite in-depth research papers and research stuff. And it's been really difficult to link that to the classroom and what that actually looks like in the classroom. And I suppose that's that link between, you know, cognitive science and understanding what learning is and the day-to-day of teaching on the ground. I think the gap's been too wide up until recently. I think that's changed significantly in recent years, which is really positive. So the first thing that that you you need to understand really is to have a a sort of basic understanding of... um, the learning process and a simplified understanding, a simplified model so that you can hook whatever you're doing on in, in the classroom to that model so you understand why a strategy might stand a better chance of working than other strategies. So that's relatively recently that's happened, you know, up until up until recently, it's all been a bit highbrow. It's unrealistic to expect teachers to have a deep understanding of of the cognitive science behind learning. So there are some simple models out there now that, um, that, that, are, that are accessible at a level that's, that's good enough for teachers to understand why things work. So the best model really is Dan Willingham's model, which is if you Google that, you can find it. Oliver Cavaglioli's done a really lovely graphic on it that makes it really simple. And that's just around three concepts that are very simple, but have got layers of complexity under it. So the first part is around um, creating the environment for learning to happen and so that children can attend. And I don't mean attend school, I mean attend to what's going on in the lesson. So they're actually thinking about what they're doing. Um, and that's that's really important. The, the second part is understanding the limitations of working memory um, and actually planning around that and knowing um, that the implications of that when you're planning a lesson, so you're not overloading, you know, there's no cognitive overload for children. And then the third is around long-term memory, understanding long-term memory in that that that's a journey to build schema, to build, to build, to build those schema. And that's, that's around understanding that, 
you know, it's not just telling someone something and they learn it. You've got to tell them, rehearse it, repeat it to the point of, to the point where they can retrieve it easily into their working memory and it's not clogging up their working memory. So it's about repetition. And it, and, and when you, when you say those things, some of the old school things that we used to do around chanting tables and going over and over your times tables, that is exactly that. You know, we, you, I went through a point where that was dinosaur stuff. Who does that? That's old school Victorian type teaching. But actually, there's some good science behind how that works and how that, you know, that gets children to automaticity where they don't have to think about the tables, which frees up the working memory to think about the more complex areas of, of maths. So a lot of it is is around stuff that you'll know about already. It's just naming it and, and getting a basic understanding of it. So having an understanding of that's fine. That's fairly easy. And there are some layers underneath it that are complex, but you don't have to know all that. You just have to know why a strategy might work. And then secondly, it's just knowing what great teaching looks like and, and you know, making sure that you've got a... A, a deep and knowledge rich and progressive curriculum which i know everyone's probably been working on make sure that you've got evidence informed pedagogy that's accessible to teachers um so that they can use strategies to develop that curriculum and and, and, and enact that curriculum in the classroom to provide the, the ideal conditions for learning to happen and then you've got a a responsive teaching model that uses formative assessment as the feedback loop to the other two so that you've got a way of checking what the children have and haven't learned so you can then adapt your planning accordingly and i think after that the hardest thing is how do you do that how do you how do you make that link between teaching to the learning and and that's that's about trying to codify that for teachers because you know, great teachers can't just tell you. You've got to make it explicit. That's really interesting, Joe. Absolutely. And I think there's so much there that you've talked about. And I think um, the, the key there is about how do you systematise that? How do you engage staff in um, understanding and then implementing that and, and create that consistency? So can you tell us a little bit, a little bit more about the codification of, of, of what you just talked through and how that um, you can create that engagement across a whole school? Yeah, I've probably made the other part sound quite complicated. It's really quite simple. It's it's a model for learning, you know, and understanding what le- how learning how learning happens, um, yeah. and how you can create the best possible environment for that in the classroom because it's inv- learning's invisible. Yeah, you, you can't see it happen, and it's messy. It doesn't happen all the time when you want it to. So you just got to create the best possible environments for learning, and you need, you need a learning model to be able to know what that looks like. And then the teaching side of it is having a you know strong um, progressive curriculum um, and formative assessments feedback. The how part is the bits to link the two, and that's the pedagogy. And, and codifying that has been really difficult up until now. Um, so what you need is, well, what we did is we looked at the evidence base and we designed a model of what effective teaching looks like, bearing in mind the learning process as well. So provide a model, and then what you've got to do is provide a toolkit of evidence-informed strategies to support that model. Now, the model that we've gone with is based, you know, we've based it around Dan Williams' learning model, um, Rosenshine's principle, 
principles of instruction and a diagram that I saw in a book called Make Every Lesson Count by Sean Allison and Andy Tharby, just to try and do a nice little infographic of these are the elements of what excellent teaching looks like. And that was around, um, you know, developing a positive classroom climate, um, reviewing and activating um, previous learning um, appropriate challenge, clear and direct exp- exp- explanation, and then modelling, questioning and feedback and deliberate practice. So we got that. It's a bit more in depth than that, but a basic blueprint of what excellent teaching looks like. And then the toolkit, um, we've chosen to go with um, Tom Sherrington and Oliver Cabaglioli's teaching walkthroughs. And, and that was by chance for us, really, because as we were developing systems across school, that had been published. And it doesn't mean you have to use that. You could use the Douglas Marv's Teach Like a Champion strategies. The thing about the walkthroughs, though, is that they link a strategy to the evidence base. So you can understand where the evidence base has come from, and they've done the donkey work and, and the, the legitimacy of all that evidence base. Um, but you can also dig deeper into it if you want to, if you want to understand it more. But those strategies, and we've used the walkthroughs because that is an amazingly simple toolkit. And they're all one-page strategies that walk you through the steps of how you would land that in the classroom. Now, the good thing about it is that it's not, you know, all those strategies aren't the best for the context of your school. But you can flick through there and you can name strategies that you are already doing within the classroom. So it's great for bringing a common language across a school or for us across multiple schools for what great teaching looks like. So when we're having conversations about pedagogy now, which is great, everyone's talking about, everyone's using the same language, which is really powerful. So so we've got a model, we've got a toolkit. Um, then it's just about landing those in schools and building systems to, 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 to deliver those on the ground. So tell us a little bit about that, that then, because, um, you know, the, the walkthrough books are, are, are excellent, easily accessible. You can digest information in minutes. When you're looking at pushing that into school, um, you know, are some of the questions people are going to be asking straight away are, is that personalised to each individual member of staff or is that as a school we do it? a target or one of the one of the strategies is pushed out a whole school what's your advice and guidance on that well we we have um we're i mean designing the designing the um the vehicle to launch it is really important we have we do it on a number of levels really we have Firstly, we have a dedicated person in the schools. I know that, you know, if you're an individual school, you're bound to have someone that's responsible for pedagogy and teaching and learning. But across the map, we have a teaching and learning lead in each of our schools that, that really coordinates that and champions evidence-informed practice across the school. So they're responsible for all that sort of professional development. But every school that we've got has two systems, really. We have the developmental coaching model, which is, is around... Um, the leadership team having a view across the school of of whole school strategies and identifying issues to be able to be to be to be able to be solved and developed. And what that ends up doing is identifying um, possibly whole school strategies, possibly whole school, um, possibly phase um, 
phase targets and possibly year groups that are not performing in the same way. So there's a way of identifying a problem and then they might use one of the walkthrough strategies, if it's appropriate, to address that problem. So that might go out year group phase or whole school and that will be driven that way. And that will go through, there'll be some professional development from the teaching and learning lead and then the co- developmental coaching cycle will be going, will, will involve learning walks and drop-ins and really systems to make sure that those things are embedded into practice um, across the school. So that's one one system. Um, the other system we've got is we, we don't do um, performance management anymore. We've moved away from that um, because it didn't fit in with the, the way we were moving and, and looking forward to growing teachers. So we've gone with um, a, a professional growth model, which is based around the work of Chris Moyes, Growing Great Teachers, which you can Google that, some good some good stuff on that. And really that what that does is provides a model for an individual's focus for professional development and deliberate practice. So that involves coaching conversations or you know conversations between line managers and, and teachers around honest conversations around development areas. Um and really identifying an element of their practice that they want to move forwards on. And then from that, you'll identify a strategy that they're going to work on over a half-term period. Right. Okay, thanks, Joe. Honestly, really, really interesting in terms of um, that model, looking at whole school um, and then looking at individual priorities. Tell us a little bit about um, managing that in terms of time and capacity within school and um, thinking through some of the barriers, you know, in terms of engagement to that. Yeah, it's it, it, it's, it's difficult. I mean, no one's ever got time for anything out there in school. Everyone's so busy. You've got to try and build, build it into the day-to-day. So... What we've what we've what we've found is we try and we try and organise phases so that they can have conversations about pedagogy on a regular basis. So there might be a staff meeting every week, um, but we try and alternate it so that one week it's you know something it's something that has to be done like EpiPen training or you know the cap team and coming and doing some 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 work with just teachers getting together and talking about what they're doing. Uh, we call those um, TLCs, teacher learning communities, which is um, you know, it's not a new thing. But there's no leadership at that. So it's an environment where people talk about pedagogy, talk about their problems, talk about issues they've got. And collectively, we're trying to create this environment where everyone's helping each other move forwards and get better at what they do. So it's creating systems like that and having a model of, actually, I'm struggling with this. Have you tried this? And when you've got got some some good evidence-based strategies with the teaching walkthroughs you know you end up with teachers helping each other just develop that develop their practice so it's not the worst professional development in my opinion is you go on a course you come back to school you forget about what you've done what you've got to do is you've got to be living and breathing that on a day-to-day basis to to, 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 to sort of develop your practice so I think that's the key, really. It's putting things in place, giving some giving teachers the information, trusting them to be able to, you know, succeed or fail with it, but provide an environment where you can get that feedback and um, to develop that sort of growth model, that 
that collective that collective agency to push things forwards. Absolutely. I think that's about valuing that time and giving staff that time in order to be able to develop is so, so important, really. In terms of that as well, Joe, just tell us a little bit more about communicating those messages from a, from a, a senior perspective. Obviously, there's lots around, um, you know, consultation with staff, but I know that walkthroughs is really accessible uh, in terms of visuals and, you know, simple me- me- mechanisms to communicate key messages. So tell us about the importance of clear communication in order to be able to drive consistency. Yeah, that's, um, th- that's, Difficult. Well, let me just think about that. That's around having tight systems in place and 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 making sure that teachers understand that whatever you're doing is developing them. So it's not it's not tight accountability. It's about creating that 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 culture of trust. So we don't do any lesson observations now any feedback to teachers are, are around their development points or steering them in the direction of 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 another strategy that they might want to use um i think in our schools you know that comes through some real clarity with the, the teaching and learning leads tying all those messages together so it's around making sure that everything you are talking about in school that teachers understand why you're asking them to do it. And that is really links back to that, that, that learning model and how children learn. But the strategies are always linked to making sure that it's just around every teacher in every classroom being as good as uh, what they teach and how they teach it. And I think as a teacher, I'm not sure you can argue with that. If you've been asked to just be the best you can be, uh, what you teach and how you teach, why wouldn't you? Why would you be in the classroom if that's not what you wanted? So I don't think you're asking anyone to do anything that they they don't want to do. It's just providing a very simple framework for them to do it. It's also about, isn't it, about keeping the main thing the main thing, which I think when all the systems that you're talking about, ultimately it's it's about driving pedagogy and there's the vehicle which is the walkthrough so the main thing is kept the main thing and there's constant reference backwards and forwards for people to be able to see how to improve when we look at that across schools nationally sometimes well not sometimes there are often a lot of concepts thrown out nationally for schools schools pick them up you know in poor cases and we've all done it pick them up introduce a concept and think because it's been delivered in a session or two, it's often running and everyone's doing it. And I think that really what 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 I've seen with you with the walkthroughs and, and how you've set it up is that we've got good good systems that are pushing it out, good levels of engagement, and also the walkthrough books keep people on the straight and narrow as well, don't they? They provide a framework and a primer to operate in, which means that you've got flex, but people can't go off the beaten track too much so it becomes irrelevant no no no, exactly yeah there there are there are quite tight parameters you just the the choice lies within a choice of strategies and you know some of those strategies will work for some teachers they won't work for others they work in some context they won't work in others but it's about that developing that experimental culture and trying trying stuff out and and the whole idea is just to expand your toolkit as a teacher of strategies to use The, the real skill is is 
you know, the real skill in great teaching is knowing when to use those strategies and when there's appropriate time to use those strategies. This is not a tick box of stuff to do. The worst thing you could have is people taking some of these things on. You walk in the room when you're doing some of your coaching and they just run through the strategies for you because some of them, you know, they're not appropriate at certain times. So the skill is when and when not to use them, but you've got to have them there to be able to, to be able to dip into them in the first place. So tell us about that then. That's dead interesting. You've got a so you've got a member of staff who conceptually understands some of the strategies, right? And they but they don't really understand when to explicitly use them. What what guidance do you give for moving someone on from conceptually understanding an idea to actually becoming a really effective teacher and selecting the the correct strategy? from the box to use at the right time that's a harder thing to do how would you guide people with that i mean that's that's where the 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 professional growth stuff comes in the systems behind that because the systems behind that is around choosing a strategy and then um you have your line manager acts as your coach to 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 just pop in and see you teach that strategy and have a conversation and it's not about it's not so much about expertise and the top down thing it's about working side by side so you'd have someone that's got a better knowledge of pedagogy supporting someone with a, a less a, you know lesser pedagogy but having a professional conversation about it so it might be that they are using it at an appropriate time you'd have a conversation about it and it wouldn't be a threat it'd be about a conversation about when and when not to use that strategy and and that's a matter of time isn't it you know when you when you're learning something you make mistakes it's about reflecting and having someone feedback in a positive way as to how to best use that strategy so we do that we also you know we're also developing the use of iris technology and filming so you've not got someone in the room so you can film yourself driving those strategies and reflect yourself um but you can also sit side by side with the coach and look at that and see whether it is an appropriate appropriate use of it so there's a number of things we do to try and take the pressure off teachers to be able to feel comfortable to try those strategies, but with a feedback loop that, that can talk about those things, whether it's the right or the wrong time to use it. And, and you only learn through that, through making mistakes, don't you? Absolutely. So, Joe, I know that you've been working on um, implementing um, these strategies and this engagement, this, this model for, for a few years now um, across the trust. So tell me what's been um, some of the challenges, you know, that you've faced. What's been one of the hardest things to be able to implement in terms of um, these approaches? Well, for me, because my role now is is not in school on a day to day basis, it's been rolling that out across multiple schools. That's been a real that's been a real challenge because I'm one more step removed from the chalk face working in the central team now. So. That makes it really hard because, you know, you you really are truly your success is enacted through others in schools. So it's been the biggest challenge really has been making sure that the teaching and learning leads in each school and the head teachers have the buy-in and the under, enough understanding of the model to believe in it, to be able to, you know, let their teaching and learning leads implement it in their schools. I think that's been the sort of biggest challenge for me. But it's not a difficult, you know, it's, it's not a difficult, they're not difficult concepts and they're not, you know, they are evidence-based. It's very difficult to, to not see that this is the way forward in developing pedagogy and teaching and learning. So there hasn't been any blocking 
at all. It's just making sure that people have got some clarity about how those things fit into their systems in schools. And we're lucky because, like you say, we've been developing systems for a few years. So all our schools have, they're not all the same, but they all have a developmental coaching system, for example, which looks different in different schools. But they can all they can all build stuff into that model. So I think that's the hardest thing for me. And the most challenging thing is, not actually being in school on a daily basis to be able to to drive that, it's leaving it to others and making sure they understand what the concepts are. You know, in terms of um, the walkthroughs and stuff, you know, there there hasn't been any barriers and with the professional growth model, people have embraced it. And I think all of that is true. You could say that, you know, I think you alluded to at the start, you said, you know, we kind of we kind of came across it and i think that you you're doing yourself a disservice because i don't think we did come and kind of come across it i think actually you've done a lot of background reading and you'd looked at a range of models and just tell it just spend a little bit of time talking through because there was an evolution journey there you know we there was a model that was introduced uh, the curie route maps which to say that it bombed would be the understatement of the year wouldn't it tell us a little bit about that because that start that's the start of the journey and now yeah. it's really great but it's not by accident because we had some, some real hard learning didn't we embarrassing moments at times with the curie route maps yeah i mean i, I mean it's, i suppose it started about seven years ago really when i really maybe more than that i really was trying to decode what great teaching looked like and, and found it really hard. And although there's lots of evidence-based stuff out there, um, I, I found it really difficult to read. I found it really difficult to see how that looks in the classroom. So we tried, we looked at loads of stuff and we came across the Curie stuff, which was, you know, in principle, it was brilliant. They, they do like a, they build a tube map. So you might look at a certain area of pedagogy, like metacognition or something like that. And they'd build a tube map for you um, around when you stopped at a station, it pointed you in to a, to a research paper that was, that they'd selected as the best evidence for having impact in the classroom. Now they were research papers. They're not easy to read. You know, they're not easy to read for, for, for me. They're not easy to read for class teachers sometimes, you know, and, and, and expecting a class teacher to read that and then understand it enough to, to have an impact in their classroom was just one step too far. So although all the evidence that was there was great and it, the idea was that the journey built over time and it was meant to have an impact in the classroom, it was an epic fail for us because it was just unrealistic to think that teachers would read that stuff understand it and, and land it in their classrooms um, so it was when the simplicity of the walkthroughs came along um, that it all sort of slotted into place so prior to the walkthroughs we'd had um, we've got TLCs in place we'd got you know learning communities where teachers came together in schools and talked about their problems we just hadn't codified it in the way that the walkthroughs had. So there's lots of discussions about pedagogy and what you can do and, and then sharing issues and more experienced teaching supporting less, less experienced teachers. But we just didn't have the walkthroughs and what that's brought is another, another level of I suppose, common language and common strategies. And, and the beauty of those is 
you know, you flick through that first book of walkthroughs and if you're a good teacher, you've got half those strategies already and it's nice. I mean, even I've not been in the classroom for years, but even I flick through that saying, did that, did that, did that. Wish I could have a go at that. That sounds interesting. So it really puts it at your fingertips and you can just look at them and think, yeah, I can't have a go at that. And, and if you want to understand the research, it points you in the direction. You can read that if you want to, but you don't need to. You just need to know there's some research behind it there's some classroom-based practice behind it so you can have a go and adapt it to your context in your classrooms and see if it works and if it doesn't try another strategy and i think that's an evolution of the culture as well in terms of um, when you're saying about it being seen as developmental and empowering people because i remember when um, the cure route maps went in you know depending on the culture of the school some staff in some of our schools were saying they didn't like the choice. They wanted to be told what to be to do. And now with the walkthroughs, we don't really hear that anymore, do we? We don't hear someone saying, just tell me what to do. It's a little bit more empowered. So there's been a journey there, hasn't there? Yeah, there has been a journey. There's still a little bit of that, but that's where the two systems comes in because for some things we are telling you what to do. You know, if there's a whole school priority, then... There's a whole school priority and that, that, that's the teacher being told that they've got to look at these strategies. But the, there's the professional growth where there is an element of choice. And because that is a replacement for the appraisal process, you know, people have seen that in a really positive way. Look, we're not looking back and trying to prove what we've done. This is a system where we have to take on another strategy or look at other strategies to develop our practice moving forward. So I think people have taken that in a really positive way and they see that all the systems that we're doing, all the systems that we've got in schools are just strategies to improve you as a teacher. So you're right, there isn't that just tell us anymore. People are more and more interested. The best teachers have always been interested, haven't they? It's just trying to shift that shift that balance so everyone's taking agency and taking responsibility for their own uh, their own development. Joe, tell us, tell us what, you know, how this is developing into the future. You've reflected a lot back on the journey to where you are and the way that you've implemented that and engaged staff. So what's your focus in terms of this, in terms of moving forward? What's next for you? Is it about embedding and, and, and creating that consistency and revisiting the concepts and supporting new staff to engage and understand? Or, you know, are you, are you where are you taking it next? What's your focus? Yeah, it's about, I mean, for me, it is about really embedding it. I mean, you know, we've, we've sort of implemented this system over the last couple of years. Um, it's making sure that, you know, some of our schools were had a really good culture of, of, of you know, taking risks and, and failing and to, to grow. Some of our schools are not, are not quite there yet. So they, they need to develop their, their trust in the leadership that actually everything that's ever said is about being developmental. So I think it's that journey that people go on to be comfortable to be able to say that they're not great at everything and that they can always get better no matter how experienced you are and developing that culture where we're open about that we'll talk about it we've got the space to talk about that and we'll have a professional conversation and at the other end of it we're all moving forwards we're all growing so ultimately it's about expanding your toolkit to be the best possible person you can be in that classroom i don't think that journey ever ends 
So I suppose it's making the, the, the cultures within the schools true learning cultures where people are developing all the time. And ultimately, that's a self-sustaining model. What you want is, I suppose, the teaching and learning needs obviously always have to have an overview of that, but they'll be less and less relevant in schools when people, when teachers take agency and really get to grips with it themselves. So I suppose that's the ultimate goal. But, you know... You never get to that. That's part of the, that's the excitement of the journey, isn't it? It's never, it's never ending. You never, you never find perfection. Absolutely. And I think that's with the, I think we're getting better at an education now in terms of the narrative with, um, you know, when things haven't worked and you've said, you know, we've had, we've had, we've had a few epic fails. I think also we're in some of that accountability system in schools when we're judged by Ofsted and people. I think there's so much strength if you can positively talk through where something's been rolled out and where we've, where you've had barriers, where it hasn't worked, and as a result, where your strategy has pivoted and improved. You know, in the past, I think when people are edgy and they're worried, what they'll do is they'll they'll paper over those cracks because they don't want to expose that a mistake was made or an error was made. I think maybe in education now we're a little bit more comfortable and we're moving towards being more comfortable exposing those issues because actually what that's done is it, it's taken us on a whole journey we wouldn't have got to without being self-aware and deeply reflecting on where we've hit problems. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and you know, that's all related to... You know, there are a lot of stresses around around inspection and stuff like that. And when you're moving schools that are bordering on special measures, you know, there, there are some risks you've got to take. But, you know, ultimately, there's no improvement for pupils without improvement for teaching. And there's no improvement for teaching without, you know, putting quality professional development in for teachers. And I think what's happened there is the shift has gone from, you know, lots of people still think of professional development as going out of schools on a course. You know, that, that has never been professional development for me. Professional development for me has been having a conversation with someone who's better at something than you are and giving you some, some, some strategies to use. And, and that's what this is, really. It's systematizing that so that actually it's day in, day out. It is truly continuous professional development that you're getting, you know, and just getting better at what you do. So, and I think, you know, that comes with failures, doesn't it, as well? which brings strength. Just thinking about that as well, really, in terms of engaging externally as well, do you see a value in that and talking to others? Obviously, there's huge numbers of schools and and multi-academy trusts that are engaging with the walkthroughs at the moment. And, you know, are there the opportunities to be looking outside of your group of schools and looking at what works well with others that are already engaging with the walkthroughs and learning from them as well? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I've talked about some of the systems we've developed, like professional growth, that's not my idea. That's that's from looking outward. That's from that's from looking at other trusts and see what they do. And that's where we we stumbled across the, the the Chris Moyes work. And you know, why reinvent the wheel? He's come up with a brilliant system that we just tweaked a little bit. Um, but it's it was fitted perfectly into the direction of travel we want to go in because it's all about growing great teachers. That's that's the business we're in. So yeah, looking outwards is 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 really important. You know, I, Steve sometimes thinks I'm really innovative, but I, I'm just good at looking at other people's ideas and tweaking them to fit our context. That's there's nothing original about what I do. It's just fitting it to the, to our to our context and tweaking it. 
So That's innovation, isn't it? Maybe. It is because you know it's like I always think about the motor industry is a great one, right? You know, from when a car was first invented to some of the hybrid cars and electric cars we've got now. Predominantly, they've got four wheels. They've got they're a steering cars. wheel. Mm. They're all cars. They've got lights. There's innovation, incremental gains in every in every iteration and version of a car. So I think what you do, the thing is that you know that I admire about you is that you've always got your eyes open. You're always looking around and you're inquisitive. And I think as we draw a close this conversation, it'd be good to know what about those head teachers and leaders who especially through this period of COVID have become maybe a little bit isolated and maybe they haven't um, looked out as much. What guidance would you give to those to, because sometimes when people feel as though they haven't looked out, they feel that they've done it for such a period of time. What they then do is they isolate themselves. So what what guidance do you give to people to make sure they they get in a good diet of what's out there? Um. Well, the, the walkthroughs and stuff that Tom Sherrington does is 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 quality stuff. You know, even his teacher head blog is really good at, at, at signposting people in the right direction. And and he's another one. He's, he, I mean, he's come up with a great concept um, with the walkthroughs. But he'll be the first to admit that they're not his ideas. He's just catalogued them. You know, he's just pulled the research together and pulled the teaching strategies together to to sort of codify what great teaching looks like so just just getting that and having a look will give you access to the evidence base in a really accessible way and it will give you a bunch of strategies that you'll be able to name that happen in your school but it will give you another a bunch of strategies that you might want to try out to develop the pedagogy within the school really really dead simple and and they've got they've got a model they've got these adapt model that's built into their system that's that's a sort of instructional coaching model use it don't use it that you know we 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 partly use it to build it into other systems it's about it's about having a model having a toolkit and having a vehicle to deliver it in in the classroom that's important so I I, I I take a look at that. It'll take you down a rabbit hole of evidence that, that's really exciting and interesting. I think what I'm hearing, Joe, is that you know you look outside, you look at what's there, but then you keep really true to what you know about your context and your children, your um, your staff, and where you're going. You know what your school or schools need, and therefore um, you know you don't take everything you know that's out there because there's a huge amount that's that is research informed, but it's not perhaps where you're going. And I think that really comes across clearly that. Um, you know, as, as a leader, you need to be really brave and, and confident in where you're going and make the right choices about what you choose. Um, and, and then not being scared or, or sort of um, too caught up in trying something and realising that it's not for you and it's not taking you where you want to go, but really having that clear vision around where you are going. I think that seems really important to you. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And, you know, like Steve said, we've tried, we've tried lots of things that haven't worked along the way. Um, but it doesn't mean you don't stop searching for, for perfection, does it? And finding systems and, and, you know, every school is different. You know, what works in one school doesn't work with another. It's like when you have a different class, you've got a whole set of strategies that work one year. Next year, they bomb, don't they? So it's about that 
being adaptable um, and having that sort of adaptive expertise so you can flex and 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 and, and change things. But but there's also a lot of common sense in it. So there is there are some core strategies in there that you could easily embed, you know, across your teaching in school. So and there are other things that, that look very secondary and and you know not not fitting with the primary context that you, you wouldn't go anywhere near. So it is about that that choice and that skill of knowing what will fit in your context and what will work for your teachers. And and that's a teacher level as well. You know, one teacher might be brilliant at a strategy but it just won't work for another teacher. Um, and that's the beauty of the books, really, because they're, 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 they're chaptered up into certain areas like behaviour and, and, and relationships and you know, questioning, but with a whole raft of strategies that you can choose from within that. So, so yeah, yeah, good system. Well, Joe, it's been uh, it's been great to have you with us. Thanks for for sharing your uh, your time and your honesty in terms of um, what's been going on with uh, with pedagogy at Robin Hood, Matt, and um, and hopefully we'll speak to you in the future in uh, further episodes. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, no, cheers. Thank you. Thanks. We hoped that you enjoyed the podcast today with Joe Pennell. As ever, this is a Robin Hood Multi-Academy Trust production in collaboration with Gateway Alliance. Until next time, catch you later.